It's time now for North Star Sports, your source for the hottest sports takes in the business. Here's your host, Owen Ely. Hello, everybody, and welcome to North Star Sports. I'm your host, Owen Ely. You can follow me on Twitter at Owen Ely M, and you also can follow North Star Sports on Twitter at North Star M I N. Be sure to check out our website at northstarsports.media. And welcome into the show, everybody. We got a good one for you here tonight as we look to recap the UFC Fight Night Figueredo versus Benavidez 2, which took place on July 18th at the Flash Forum on Fight Island, Yaz Island, UAE. And what a great fight card this was. Tremendous title fight at the top of the card. Some gems throughout the main card and the prelims. All around just an amazing event. I was very impressed. And, you know, we've, we've seen in the UFC, whenever something can go wrong, something will go wrong. You know, whether or not it's it's the UFC 223 incident with uh, Connor and the bus, whether it's 229 with Khabib and Dylan Dennis, whether it's... Well, I guess even going back to 223 with all the different title fights that have fallen out, the UFC have proven that in the sports of mixed martial arts, uh, if something can go wrong, it will go wrong. And I got to say, you know, we're, we got three out of the four events done here at Fight Island. We have Whitaker and Till in the main event next Saturday. And I've been thoroughly impressed. Everything has gone right. Even when you look at the microcosm of the main event here tonight, Obviously, it's a rematch of the first fight which took place in uh, February of this year in Norfolk, Virginia. That one, you know, tremendous performance for Davis and Figueredo, but he misses weight and therefore is ineligible to become the flyweight champion. So even, even on this card, we know very well things can go wrong, but this card from top to bottom went amazing. Uh, I had a great time. I watched it with my good buddy, the North Star Sports Hall of Famer, Drew Peterson. Uh, of course, he joined the show earlier today for the inaugural main card showdown. Um, unfortunately, I, or I guess it builds to the drama, uh, the first ever main card showdown was a draw. It was a majority draw. Uh, we had both uh, picked three fights correct on the main card, two incorrect uh, ours varied a little bit. I know I was wrong. We'll get to these fights in a minute, but I was wrong on the Hermanson Gastelum fight. I picked Gastelum, and I was also wrong on the Fiziev fight as well. And I believe Drew had uh, Alexandre Pantoja, and I had Askarov. So we're going to be making some big changes to the main card showdown, obviously, because it was the inaugural one. And, uh, you know, it, it's in its infancy, but I think even. On the same day we started this, obviously I've had the idea for a little little bit, uh, we're going to go all out. So we got some big news surrounding the main card showdown, which we will unveil later in the week. And of course, we'll have another main card challenge, um, likely on Friday, maybe Saturday. We did it on Saturday because Drew was unavailable on Friday. Uh, but I think we'll try to make it a Friday thing just so that it's out in the ether, out on the internet, um, you know, for like a day and a half before the fight uh, is, is going on. Uh, but again, fun time. Uh, got to cop the push to start. Uh, just a great time. Got to see little Junior. Got to see uh, a spaz of a dog. And, uh, you know, just enjoyed watching uh, the fights with my best friend. Came home. 
eight through a major derecho, I guess as they call them. Uh, it was it was like I was it uh, in Thailand. It was like I was at AKA uh, or ATT Thailand. Uh, it was it was uh, a real real downpour. Came home, ate an entire pizza, an entire pizza. Still feel a little hungry, but that's all right. I got some. Uh, what do we got here? I got some Blue Moon Belgian White uh, to wash it down. So, you know. Cheers to everybody who's uh, listening. We don't normally do do these recaps. Uh, on the same night, but the fight card started at 4 p.m. Central Time, so it was over at around, uh, I'd say, 10 p.m. Central Time. So normally, when the fight cards get over at like 12:30 in the morning, I don't really have the energy to to do these uh, recaps until the the following day, um, typically that Sunday night. But uh, you know, we had some time, and I figured I'd squeeze it in. You know, we'll be proactive. I think, uh, you know, this week has been very good for North Star Sports. We've had a lot of viewers. Shout out to our viewers in Canada. Uh, You know, we've been putting out content like mad, uh, and we'll continue to do it uh, all throughout next week. Obviously, we have some new segments that we'll be debuting. Uh, So very, very exciting times here for North Star Sports. I'm very grateful for anybody that tunes in. Uh, Every single listener is, is very special to me. Uh, but with that, we'll we'll get to the the recap here. We'll start obviously in the main event where Davison Figueredo chokes out by rear naked choke Joseph Benavidez at the 4:48 mark in the very first round. Um, just a flawless performance by Davison Figueredo. I think a new star has been born. Um, you know, it was a little. It was a very solid knockout the first time these guys fought, but it was a little anticlimactic, climactic um, because. He was ineligible to win the title. It did come off of a headbutt, which kind of muddies the water a little bit. Um, but this one, there's nothing to complain about. Davison made weight. He dropped him three times, nearly choked him out two or three times. Uh, you know, and just, you got to give it to, to Benavidez. He, he tried his damnedest, but, you know, Figueredo is several levels ahead of Benavidez. And obviously, we went through the resume of Benavidez. This is a tremendous fighter. You look at his resume, it's just a lot of people aren't familiar with flyweight greats and, you know, uh, who, who have been the, the, the really good fighters in the flyweight division. But, you know, when you do some research, I mean, he's really beaten some very top tier guys in this division, just never, never won the UFC belt. Arguably the best fighter to never win a UFC belt right up there with, I mean, I guess I have to let this event settle a little bit because I don't want to get too hyperbolic and too overreactionary just because the fight just did happen. But he's right up there, man. I'd say he's surpassed Jacare. I'd say right now he's probably tied with like a Dan Henderson. Uh, you know what I mean? Or, or maybe a Crow Cop or a Fedor, but they, you know, Fedor never fought in the UFC. So, I mean, that's kind of unfair. And Crow Cop didn't really come over until he was a little washed. Um, but again, you got to feel really bad for Benavidez because from all accounts, this is a very, very... Uh, top-notch gentleman, a very, a very fine human being, and uh, obviously 0-4 in his uh, title fights in the UFC. Unfortunate man, you know, he's 28-7, and you know, he wins all these fights, but when it comes to these title fights, you know, just unfortunately, I believe his first two are against Mighty Mouse, uh, wasn't, was not good enough uh, then, you know, and then obviously two losses to Figueredo back-to-back, but I still think Cejudo would have probably put a hurting on uh, Joseph Benavidez, but it would have been interesting to see Benavidez take on Cejudo because for the longest time, or actually not even really the longest time, but 
for that stretch where Henry Cejudo defeated uh, Mighty Mouse, I believe at 227, you know, that really was the fight to make if Henry Cejudo ever returned back to the flyweight division. Obviously, they went with TJ Dillashaw instead, but Benavidez was the number one contender. He held a split decision victory uh, over Henry Cejudo, albeit, you know, a much younger Cejudo in in the game of uh, mixed martial arts. Uh, But in the meantime, Figueredo, I mean, he seems to be like a a, a real good option for for champion uh, in the flyweight division. You know, two straight knockouts. He does have some pretty good power. You know, the, the... the thing that's going to go against him is he does not speak English. I think that's a real thing when you talk about, you know, this being a U.S.-based company. This, you know, most of the fans, it's obviously a very international sport, but obviously the biggest market is the U.S. Uh, if you don't speak English, it's going to be uh, uphill climbing here for Figueredo when it comes to marketability. Uh, but I tell you what, doesn't matter what weight class you're at. If you knock out f- people, you're going to have fans. You know what I mean? And I saw a lot of, a lot of people saying this was uh, Figgy Fight Night, and I'm all about it. I am all about Figgy Fight Night. Uh, he, he's earned a new fan. That was a great performance. And, again, you know, this, this division arguably, I'd still say John Jones is the greatest of all time, but this division arguably has seen the greatest, most dominant fighter of all time in Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson. But he just wasn't very marketable. He didn't talk trash. And he didn't really finish a whole lot of fights. I guess I'd go. I'd have to go back and look at it again. But I don't remember him finishing a whole lot of fights. Uh, obviously, he had the the highlight uh, highlight reel uh, flying armbar submission versus Ray Borg. But you know, nobody really cared about Mighty Mouse. Not even not even some of the hardcores cared about Mighty Mouse. Obviously, he certainly had his uh, you know parochial uh, niche following, but. You know, for a for a champion, that guy just did not really have mass appeal. But I think Figueredo, he's obviously the first ever uh, Brazilian flyweight champion in the UFC, uh, and I think he's he's off to a, a great start uh, for his title reign. It gets a little tricky when we look at the rankings. Of course, we don't have rankings at North Star Sports for the flyweight division. Uh, they have to prove to us that, that that that's a legitimate division that they invest in and bring in good fighters, and then we'll do rankings. Um, but I don't, you know, I, I don't know. It's kind of tough because it, it seems like Askar Askarov might be next in line. I don't know how much that moves the needle. Um, I don't think really at all. Uh, Brandon Moreno is probably highly ranked up there. Uh, it, it gets, it gets really tough. Maybe an Alex Perez. I believe he won his last fight last month. So there are no shortage of options, but are they, are they options that will appeal to a, a mass audience? likely not, likely not. I don't see Figueredo headlining a pay-per-view anytime soon, just given the division he's in. Um, but, but, but again, you never know. You never know. I mean, in, in all fairness, we'll see how his title reign turns out. Uh, moving on here in the co-main event, a very quick fight here between Jack the Joker Hermanson and Kelvin Gastelum, where Jack Hermanson submitted him uh, by heel hook uh, just about 80 seconds into the fight. Uh, this one was frustrating for me. Uh, as someone who picked Kelvin Gastelum, uh, again, this is this is why the fight was essentially a pick'em, uh, courtesy of Bovada. Um, it, it's it's really tough to to know what to make of this fight, other than you know, like I said on the preview show, you look at the champion in the middleweight division and fighters one through six in the North Star rankings. 
all very elite fighters, guys who have been champions uh, or are elite fighters with something very special innately. And then at number seven, there's Kelvin Gastelum. And then you look at eight through 15, and it's guys like Brad Tavares and Derek Brunson and Omari Akhmedov. So there's a clear line of delineation between the elites and the guys who are just in the rankings because they have to be. And Calvin Gastelum was straddling that line. And with a victory, he would catapult himself into the top six, maybe top five, and be in that group of very special contenders. And he lost, and now he's going to drop in the rankings, and now he's down there with the likes of Derek Brunson. No disrespect against Derek Brunson, but obviously, you know, this this guy's a, a gatekeeper. Um, you know what I mean? So this is a very tough fight for Calvin Gastelum. Obviously, he said he was embarrassed from his performance uh, on on Twitter. It, it's it's really tough, man, because if, if you look at Gastelum, man, he's beaten Jacare. He's beaten Bisping. He's beaten Tim Kennedy. Uh, I would really like to see him take some time off and emerge back down at welterweight. I think there's bigger, better fights at welterweight for Gastelum. It would give him... I mean, he's been he's been out of the welterweight division for a hot minute, so it would be you know we see these fighters switch divisions. Typically, it's moving up, uh, and it's you know even if you lost your last two fights uh, in in your old division, when you move to a new division, you you practically start off as a brand new fighter in the rankings. So I think Gastelum at five foot nine, he I understand he's a big boy, but he's he's really not. He's five foot nine. He needs to get his weight under control. He needs to go back down to 170, and I think he can be champion at a division like 170. You look at uh, Tyron Woodley; he was five foot nine. Uh, Matt Hughes might have been like five foot nine, uh, you know. And and Matt Sarah was very short. Uh, you know, five foot nine is a little short for for welterweight, but you know he's just kind of outmatched here at middleweight. I don't care if it's easier for him to make 185. I'm sure it's easier for him to make 205. I'm sure it's easier to for him to make heavyweight, you know what I mean? But it's it's not about what's e- easier. It's about, you know, being great and obviously stacked up two pretty critical losses in a row. Uh, conversely, you look at Hermanson, he's coming off of that loss versus Jared Cannonier, I want to say in September of last year uh, in, in Denmark, in his home region uh, of Scandinavia, and a quick win here, and, you know, he's right back in quasi-contention. Uh now, he obviously said he wants the winner of Darren Till uh, and and Robert Whitaker. That's going to be tricky because I feel like the, the, the winner of that fighter is going to be pretty beat up. Um, so he might have to wait for a while, but he was pretty adamant that uh, he, he wants to wait for the winner of that fight. He wants to move forward in the rankings, look forward in the rankings, and not look backwards. Uh, I don't know how well that's going to work out for him. I think that's probably a proper move. Um, but you look at the guys at the top of that division, they either have a fight going on or, you know, they're, they're not really ready to fight. Obviously, um, it was falsely announced by Kambache uh, that the fight between Israel Adesanya and Paulo Costa has been done. I still think that's obviously the fight that is going to happen. Uh, so we'll, we'll count that as, as a fight that's going on. Obviously, Whitaker uh, and Till. You also look, uh, courtesy of the North Star Sports rankings at northstarsport.media, um, Jared Cannonier sitting there at number three. However, obviously Hermanson just lost to Cannonier, so that's not really a possibility. Uh, Yoel Romero has a fight upcoming with uh, who is it? Uriah Hall. Uriah Hall. 
So the champion, numbers one, two, I guess three's gone because you just lost to him. Four, five, seven you just beat, and ten, are, they're all busy. They're all busy. So I don't know. Oh, and eight and nine are busy because eight and nine is Derek Brunson and Edmund Shabazian. So I, I have a feeling Jack Hermanson, even though he got the quick victory here tonight, is probably looking at a significant layoff uh, just because there's not really any matchups that are going to make sense, you know, unless uh, unless an Edmund Shabazian, who I believe is scheduled to fight at 252 in August, maybe Shabazian just blows through Brunson and comes out ranked at like number seven. But even then, Hermanson's going to be ahead of him in the rankings. Uh, but it would be a fight to stay active and try to build your case for the title. Um, but obviously a very nice performance here tonight by Jack the Joker Hermanson. Uh, moving on here in the feature bout, Rafael Fiziev uh, wins by unanimous decision over Mark Bone Crusher Casey. Uh, obviously, this was another one I got wrong. I, I went with the Bone Crusher. I really thought he was on a resurgence. Uh, but Fiziev kind of came out of nowhere. He got he came into the UFC very young, I believe at 6-0. and uh, Won his first fight, lost his second, and then here in his third fight, he's defeated... Jacasey, who had a, a very meaningful hype train coming into the UFC, a rough patch where he lost three in a row, but he was kind of on the up and up and, you know, just through very solid leg kicks and Matrix-like defense, Fiziev uh, gets it done here tonight. Tremendous performance. It was actually the fight of the night, which, uh, you know, I think is fair. That was a very solid performance by both fighters. So at least, uh, you know, uh, consolation prize for Jacasey is, is is that he'll get to take home uh, 50 G's baby. Um, also on the main card here, we had a quick submission by Nibar by Ariani Lipsky over Luana Carolina. Uh, only the second Nibar in the UFC flyweight, women's flyweight division. Um, tough. Again, you know, when these fights get finished so quickly, it's tough to take anything away uh, from the fight, other than, you know, Lipsky's really dangerous. Really dangerous. A lot of people knew her for her, for her excuse me, for her knockouts uh, in KSW. Uh, you know what I mean? But obviously proving that she has quite the ground game here tonight. Obviously, I don't think Luana Carolina is that high level of an opponent. Um, but again, Lipsky was another pretty solid hype train, but lost her first two fights. Very tough matchups. Uh, one with Joanne Calderwood. And the other against Molly McCann, two uh, UK fighters who are in the rankings. Uh, Molly McCann just barely in the rankings because uh, she lost her last fight. We have her at uh, number 15 and Joanne Calderwood actually at number six. Um, so two very tough draws straight out of the gate for Lipsky uh, in the UFC, but now on a two-fight winning streak, uh, two and two in her first four fight, first four fights here in the UFC. Uh, moving on here, also on the main card, it was a flyweight tilt here between Askar Bullet Askarov and Alexander Pantoja. Uh, this is where me and Drew differed. He picked Pantoja, I picked Askarov. And no surprise, I picked correct, baby. That's all I do. I pick correct fights. And uh, Askarov, you know, he did win 29-28, so it wasn't a, necessarily a dominant performance. Uh, obviously, his boxing really shined as the fight went on, particularly later into the uh, second round, uh, and certainly the third round. He was he was tagging Pantoja uh, something fierce, 
Uh, I don't know if it's a, a good enough performance to get the next title shot at flyweight. Certainly, Pantoja was number four coming into this fight. Askarov was number six. So, like I always say, if you're in the top five, a title shot is, is possible at, e- at any time. At any time, uh, a, a, a title fight is possible if you're in the top five. Um, I'll take a brief look here at the UFC rankings, just because, obviously, North Star Sports does not do uh, flyweight rankings. Uh, Brandon Moreno is at number three. Uh, Figueredo moves from one to champion. Benavidez loses. I mean, you got Alex Perez sitting there at number five. I'd, if I had to be a betting man, I would say Brandon Moreno probably gets the next title shot in uh, Figgy's first uh, defense of the flyweight title. Uh, but Askar Askarov, I mean, this is a very, very, very shallow division. Uh, so certainly anything is possible. Wouldn't even shock me if Kai Kara France, you know, or Hajerio Bontarin, uh gets gets the next title shot. Actually, uh, a, a dark horse here, a guy who might get a title fight, title fight with one win in the UFC, Manel Cape, who was the Ryzen bantamweight champion, is uh, is going to make his debut. I want to say on that 252 card. Uh, versus Hajerio Bontarin. That's why I, uh, that that name uh, rang a bell with me. Manel Cape. Uh, he you know he's he's got a lot of hype. A lot of people are very high uh, on this on this kid, uh, and he, and he he probably could get a title shot with just one convincing win over Hajerio Bontarin. Uh, moving here to the prelims, we had a, a vicious knockout. Uh, by knee and ground and pound by Roman Delizzi over Kalidis Ibrahimov. Uh, nice performance there for Delizzi. Vicious, vicious knee. I mean, that got a real visceral deep reaction from me and Drew Peterson as we were watching the fight. Uh, just kind of whipped his head back, whipped his chin back into the into the back of his dome ski right there. So uh, a very brutal performance, something that fans will certainly remember. Um, you know, obviously the undefeated Georgian, uh, you know, tough to see where he goes here. But again, you know, 205 is kind of popping lately. So, uh, you know, perhaps another future contender here in the light heavyweight division. Uh, moving on here, uh, a catchweight bout of 150 pounds between Grant Dawson and Nad Narimi, uh, Naramani, excuse me. Uh, unanimous, unanimous decision victory for Grant Dawson moves to 16 and one. Uh, a guy who's who's really slowly, uh, but but surely, piling up the wins here in the UFC. Grant the Prophet Dawson, uh, still only 26, but you look at his record. Uh, what is this? This is a seven-fight win streak, uh, with five of those in the UFC. I guess, I guess five if you, if you count contender series. Uh, not over particularly high-level competition, um, but but over UFC competition nonetheless. You know, Julian Arosa, a guy who's been on tough, a guy who's been on the Contender Series a couple of times, Mike Trezano, who won the Ultimate Fighter, Derek Minner, you know, a Nebraska regional scene legend, uh, and then Ned Naramani. Uh, I would really like to see a step up in competition for Grant Dawson, potentially somebody in the rankings uh, you know, I think he's pr- I think he's proven that he's a UFC fighter. I mean, listen, he's five and zero in the UFC, so I, I think it's really time for a step up. Uh, a step up brought to you by Boost Mobile, uh, which is forever seared into my head uh, from all those fight-ending replays from uh, UFC broadcasts. 
Uh, but looking here at the featherweight division, it's a very deep division. It's it's really tough to think who he could fight next because when you look at the fighters ranked 10 through 15 in the featherweight division, uh, a low-key deep division, uh, they're all pretty young fighters, all fighters who are looking to go up in the rankings, not necessarily looking down at someone like Grant Dawson. Uh, maybe somebody like a Sadiq Youssef, Edson Barbosa, maybe that could be a rebound fight for Barbosa. That might be a little bit too much too soon for Grant Dawson, but again, 5-0 and is 5-0. and uh, Ryan Hall does, does have an upcoming fight with Ricardo Lamas, and Arnold Allen needs a severe step up in competition. You know, he's had a couple of fights fall out, I, I believe, against higher-ranked opponents, and, you know, he's just been racking up these victories in the UFC over lower-level guys. Um, so, again, yeah, really tough. I mean, I guess I'm looking at Dan Ige uh, sitting there at number 11. Maybe Dan Ige in, in a fight with Grant Dawson would make sense. Uh, the timeline certainly would uh, would match up, but uh, very, very tough to figure out the future of Grant Dawson, but it certainly looks bright nonetheless. Uh, moving on here, still on the uh, prelims, we had a lightweight belt, uh, a submission by guillotine choke for Joel Alvarez over Irish Joe Duffy. Uh, biggest headline from this fight is that Joe Duffy retired, the man who choked out Conor McGregor early on in both of their careers. Uh, solid victory for Alvarez. I didn't watch a whole ton of this fight. Nothing really stands out to me. Uh, Alvarez looked pretty good with his movements, but again, not a whole lot to say about this fight. Um, certainly padding the record here of, uh, of Joel Alvarez as he moves to 17-2. and two. Get another sip of the old beer ski here. Ah, some good stuff. And that's the beauty of uh, not being beholden to the FCC is that I can drink on air as much or as little as I want. I don't, I don't do it often, but uh, you know what I mean? It is, it is a Saturday night, so, you know, you got you to gotta have some stuff cracking off. Uh, moving on here, uh, a solid victory, unanimous decision victory for Brett the Pikey Johns over Montel Jackson. Uh, a banner week, for the most part, for Wales. Uh, obviously, they had John Phillips and, uh, oh, man, what's that guy's name that's going to bug me? They had another Welsh fight. Jack the Tank Shore. Uh, they fought on the Wednesday night card. They went one for one. They uh, broke onto the positive side here with a victory by Brett Johns. Uh, solid, solid victory. Uh, again, not a whole lot to say about this one. Uh, he did hold Montel Jackson down. I was surprised by the wrestling of uh, Brett Johns. Again, a guy who's been in there versus much stiffer competition uh, compared to Montel Jackson, so somebody who was really well-equipped. Obviously, a, a pretty severe uh, experience gap here for Johns over Jackson. Uh, again, with a couple of more fights, perhaps we could see Johns claw back towards the rankings. Going to be tough in that bantamweight division, I'll tell you that much. It's going to be very tough for Brett Johns to get into that stacked bantamweight division because, believe you me, it haunts me. It actually haunts me that we don't have Marab Davalashvili in the bantamweight rankings. I really, I really want to put Marab in the rankings, but bantamweight is just so stacked. I can't, I can't bring anybody out of the rankings. You know what I mean? Because I want my rankings to mean something. So just because I'm a huge fan of Marab doesn't mean I'm going to put him in the rankings just because I'm a fan. But he is the number 16 ranked bantamweight. Let me tell you that much. He's right on that edge. Um, 
you know what I mean? But I'm looking at Sean O'Malley. I'm looking at Marlon Vera, John Dodson, Song Yedong in those spots from 15 to 12. I just can't do it, man. I just can't do it. But potentially, I believe O'Malley is going to fight Marlon Vera on that 252 card headlined by the trilogy between Stipe and DC. If O'Malley beats Vera, that means O'Malley moves up in the rankings and Vera at 15 probably falls out. And that would be a nice spot for me to slide in Marab Devalashvili. Um, but again, this is all speculative because as it stands right now, this is a really, really cracking division. Uh, we had a flyweight bout, which I believe took place at 135. So I guess a bantamweight bout here between Amir Albazi and Malcolm X. Gordon. It was a first round triangle choke for Amir Albazi. Uh, solid victory and moves to 13 and one. Uh wasn't too excited about this fight. Uh, the third men's flyweight fight on this card certainly had the least amount of hype, uh, but a good win for Al Bazi. Again, you know, I believe that was his UFC debut, so we'll see what he can do in the future. But again, I've, I have very little takeaway from, from that fight. Uh, I do have a lot to take away here from the second fight on the prelims. Uh, it was a lightweight bout here between Armand Sarukian and Davi Hamosh. Um, I missed this fight live. I, I only caught the end of the third round because I was driving over to uh, Drew's house. Um, but I went back and I just rewatched it before I came on air as I was devouring an entire pizza. Um, classic, classic domination from Armand Sarukian. Uh, I tweeted it out, which is again why you need to follow me on Twitter at OwenEleyMN. Armand Sarukian is going to be a future champion in the UFC. I don't care what anybody says. I don't know the time frame. It could be two years, could be five years, but this guy is going to be a champion in the lightweight division. I mean, he is he is at a different level. Now, this is the guy who made his UFC debut at 22 years of, of age. He made it versus Islam Makachev where he lost. Now, Makachev is a guy who was not in the rankings for a very long time. I believe he's in the rankings now uh, in the UFC. Uh, he is not... Oh, no, he is in the rankings for North Star Sports. He's the number 12 ranked lightweight. This is a guy who nobody wants to fight. He's a terrible matchup stylistically for most of the division, and I've never seen anybody call him out except for Kevin Lee. Nobody wants to fight this kid. And Sarukian makes, it might have even been a short notice. Yeah, it certainly was a short notice debut uh, against Makachev because Makachev was scheduled to fight uh, Francisco Trinaldo. Uh, oh, actually, that was a couple of months before. But either way, UFC debut at 22 years of age versus the dark horse of the lightweight division. And I thought he won. I believe it was officially scored 29-28 uh, for Makachev. I thought Sarukian won. I thought it was hometown judging for the Russian in Russia. And then he comes out, puts a beating on Olivier Alban Mercier, and then comes out tonight and puts an even bigger beating on Davi Hamosh, a guy who's, you know, certainly credentialed in the, uh, I believe it's the IBJJF or whatever the fuck they call it. Terrible. Again, like I told you guys, I don't really know Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, but I know that all the Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu fans out there are really high on this Davi Hamosh. Uh... And Sarukian was taking him down a couple of times. This is a guy in Davi Hamosh 
who's been in the UFC for, oh, let's see here. He's been in the UFC since 2017. He's had uh, about five or six fights, 100% takedown defense, and Sarukian took him down two or three times. Depends on what you call a takedown, but certainly two takedowns, potentially a third. Uh, he outstruck him. He had some spinning shit. Sarukian was in complete control of that fight from start to finish. The only thing that made me nervous about Sarukian is he threw a couple of spinning back fists where Hamosh, if he was just a little quicker on his counters, potentially could have turned the fucking lights out on, on Sarukian. Um, but this kid is a total package. He out-wrestled uh, Hamosh, who I guess is not known for wrestling, but I mean, BJJ is on the ground, so I guess it's in some ways synonymous or similar to, to wrestling. You know what I mean? But he out-wrestled him. He outstruck him. You know, this is a very underrated guy in Davi Hamosh, um, who also lost to Islam Makachev uh, in in uh, 2019. I mean, I really have high hopes for this guy. We'll consider putting Sarukian in the rankings. I don't think he's going he's gonna to do enough to uh, take away the throne from Benil Dariush, who's holding it down at number 15 in the lightweight division. But this is a kid with a very, very bright future in this division. Like I said with, um, who was it, Pyotr Jan, there are certain fighters when they make their UFC debut, even if it's against bad fighters, which it certainly was not against a, uh, against a bad fighter in Sarukian's case against Islam Makachev, there are certain fighters who make their UFC debut who have that special glint, that little glimmer that little shine where you go, wow, this is not just an ordinary fighter. This is not just some random bum, some young kid who they're hoping will do something, uh, making his UFC debut. No, no, no. This is a very special fighter. He might not be there now. It might take years of work. You know what I mean? He might be young in his career. But this this kid has that it factor. He absolutely has the it factor. Um, I'm not even opposed to having him fight somebody in the rankings next. I know lightweight is very deep. I know that might be a little too much for Sarukian, but I think he's really improved. And, you know, kind of looking at, at some of the fighters in the lightweight division, I mean, Darius would be an interesting matchup. You know, he's kind of been a gatekeeper for guys like Hernandez uh, in the past. So uh, Darius would make sense. Hernandez, honestly, would make sense uh, now that I say it. Uh, we have Donald Cerrone here at number 14. Probably not. Probably not Cowboy. That might be a little too much. Drew Dober, I think he's looking up in the rankings. Uh, Gregory Gillespie, that would be a huge jump in the rankings at number 11. But, you know, that guy has been very quiet since he got knocked out uh, oh, about about nine months ago at, at 245. Excuse me, 244, uh, the one at Madison Square Gardens. But nonetheless, the future is very bright for the Armenian Armin Sarukian. Uh, and then the first fight of the night here was a heavyweight bout between Sergey the Polar Bear Spivak and Carlos Felipe. Uh, I was in the car for this one, did not watch it because I am a safe driver and I do not watch fights in my car. I know that's crazy. I know that sounds like a lot, but I do not watch fights in my car. I also don't drive drunk because I'm not a fucking idiot. Uh, a personal fuck you to anybody who drives drunk. You're a piece of shit. Don't don't tune into North Star Sports if you, if you got a DUI on your record. You're a fucking scumbag. Uh, that's my that's the that's the mailman's PSA of the day, uh, entitled "fuck you" if you have a DUI. Um, that's that's pretty much it, man. I'm running low on my uh, blue moon here, uh, so I'm gonna have to get a, a refill in a second. 
ah, that's some good shit. You know, most beer, I, I'm not getting paid by Blue Moon, although I would gladly take even a $20 uh, sponsorship from Blue Moon. But most, most beer just tastes like fucking dog piss. But Blue Moon, I tell you, there's, there's very few beers that don't taste like piss. And uh, PBR, I enjoy PBR. Uh, I mean, I guess that does take like, taste like piss, but maybe not dog piss, just regular piss. Um, PBR is pretty good. Still kind of tastes bad, but it's an acquired taste. First beer I ever tried. Stella, Stella's good. Unfortunately, we got a batch of skunked uh, Stella, which is uh, unfortunate. Um, Shock Tops, Shock Tops. Shout out, shout out to uh, Thick Boy, Thick Boy 69, Zach Bayer, uh, for putting me on to Shock Tops. Those are delicious. Uh, Zach, we got to hang soon if you're listening, which I absolutely guarantee you're not listening because I don't think you give a fuck about sports. Uh, but shout out, shout out to the Thick Boy, shout out to the Thick Man. Uh, holding it down up there in, I want to say Blaine. I don't know. I got to visit him on his farm one one of these days. Um, but yeah, solid beers. Maybe we'll do a podcast on beer. Actually, you know, we could do a podcast on beer. I'm kind of spitballing here uh, with Reagan the Hound Dog Hooverman. This was a guy who was supposed to make his North Star Sports debut last week, but he kind of kind of big-timed me a little bit. Uh, joking, obviously, uh, he's very busy with his work, but you know, maybe maybe we'll have a beer podcast, maybe a, a one-off, a one-show, talking about beer with uh, Reagan Hooverman, a man who no doubt, a man who no doubt has had several a beer in his in his life. I can guarantee you, Reagan Hooverman, living in Wisconsin, has had several a beer uh, in his in his young and very fruitful uh, career in journalism. Uh, obviously going to be one of the best radio personalities in sports radio in uh, just a couple of years uh, once he works his way up. So shout out to uh, Reagan Hooverman, who again, you can follow at uh, SportsFanHoov, I guess, because I've been mentioning Drew so often. You know, you got to follow this guy on Twitter, obviously, at Drew B. Peterson. You got to follow your boy, Owen Ely MN on Twitter, Owen the Mailman as well, you know, posting just you know, top keck, top keck, just, you know, mm, really spicy, really spicy tweets out there. So you got, you got to enjoy that. And obviously you got to follow the the big channel, the main channel, North Star M-I-N on Twitter. We have a Facebook page as well. We might be getting a LinkedIn page. Uh, we got YouTube, uh, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, which I suppose is just iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Podbean, uh, you know, all of these tune in. We're on tune in. Uh, we're on some app I've never even fucking heard of, but I found my show on there. So they must just locate my RSS feed and just put it on there. But I found out we had 25 Canadian listeners who were tuning in on Overcast.fm. Never heard of it. Uh, I guess they're just using my shit for free. Not that I give a flying fuck. <laughs> you know, more power to you. But you know what I mean. However, you find North Star Sports. Deep down, we're in your heart somewhere. You just got to unlock it. If you're listening right now, obviously you got the key. But for everybody out there, you know what I mean? North Star Sports is in your heart. You know, that fuzzy, warm feeling in your heart, uh, you know, on a, on a cold winter's night. That's basically what my company is. You know what I mean? So be sure to follow us, support us. Uh, we might be getting merch soon. Uh, you know, I've been, I've been shopping around to make some customized t-shirts. They are expensive as fuck. 
Uh, so, you know what I mean? Uh, it'd be cool if people paid us money uh, because obviously uh, if you do what you love, never do it for free. And I'm sitting here doing it for free, but you know what I mean? I, I love it, so I would do this for free, but it'd be a hell of a lot better if I got paid some money. I tell you that much. I got some, got some fucking bills to pay here. It's not cheap running a, a website and a, a podcast conglomerate empire. Uh, you know what I mean? But that's pretty much my spiel here. I'm getting a little too drunk to be on air as I, uh, I'm about to down this blue moon, whatever, whatever's left. So, again, thanks for tuning in, everybody. Got a busy week upcoming. Uh, obviously, we did the recap show here tonight, so we'll figure out something for Sunday night uh, to be po- Well, yeah, I guess Sunday night, breaking back the fourth wall here. Sunday night to be posted on Monday morning. We'll figure out something. We might do something with the Minnesota Twins and uh, or, or Major League Baseball, given the season's about to start this week. Maybe something uh, around the NFL, or if there's some big news that breaks around the UFC, uh, it might be a little little bit of a matchup. We might debut uh, the numbers segment. So fun stuff here on North Star Sports. Again, thank you from the bottom of my heart for tuning in. Adios.